We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast, a, uh, a very special episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, really, really, really excited and uh, proud to present uh, today's interview to you, which, as you have seen already from the title of the episode, is with former Nick Channing Fry. Uh, so Channing, uh, for maybe our younger fans, uh, who might not know is someone who was drafted by the Knicks, uh, over a decade and a half ago. Uh, he was drafted by Isaiah Thomas, who was a gentleman that, uh, used to play basketball and then came to run our basketball team and, uh, did not do such a great job at that. But Channing Fry was actually one of his good moves. Um, Fry played two years here. With the Knicks, we talk a lot about that in the interview. Um, and uh, although they were not two of the better years in the history of the franchise, he was good, uh, especially as a rookie when he was he was named to the all-rookie team and had a, a stretch in the beginning of his rookie year, especially where it looked like he was going to be a cornerstone for years to come. Um, unfortunately, uh, good old Isaiah got a little itchy, itchy finger there. Um, and traded Channing out to uh, Portland to bring back Zach Randolph, uh, who would later be uh, salary dumped in an attempt to sign LeBron James in uh, the summer of 2010. And on and on we go. Uh, lots of bad moves in, in the last 20 years. Uh, and trading away Fry was was one of them. He went on to have a really, really nice career uh, at several stops, uh, notably in Phoenix, where the Suns kind of um, as he talks about on this podcast, unlocked who he could be as a pro. And then, of course, later in Cleveland, uh, when he teamed up with LeBron James to win an NBA championship, um, which is uh, which is pretty cool. We talked about that as well. The finals against the Warriors, how that's something that he'll never forget. We we talk about everything in this episode. And of course, we talk about the current Knicks and Channing's opinions on them. Uh, he, he definitely had some takes. Uh, I'll be curious to see what people think of uh, one take in particular about who who is a player he thinks the Knicks should target this summer. Um, 
But all in all, it was really, really great to get the insight of a of a former pro who is clearly very thoughtful about this stuff and very thoughtful about, um, you know, team building and culture and what has to go right for a team to succeed and what could go wrong and, and why teams don't succeed sometimes. He has, like I said, some opinions about the current Knicks. Um, so it was just great to hear from him. Um, and the fact that he was a, he is a former Nick is a, is a, is a nice bonus. So um, hope you enjoy this conversation with Channing Fry. If you dig the interview, feel free to drop a rating uh, five-star rating or review uh, wherever you get your podcast. Those things help us out a lot. Um, and meanwhile, I, I also should mention that uh, the Knicks are still playing basketball games and are allegedly rumor has it still in a chase for the play in uh, to that end. They are in the midst now of a, uh, I would say the a homestand that will define their season um, or at least have a potential of rescuing a season that has gone horribly wrong. Uh, they play the wizards uh, tonight on Friday and then the jazz on Sunday and then the Hawks who just announced that they're going to be without um, John Collins for the foreseeable future. He's out with a plantar fascia injury. Um, they play the Hawks on, on Tuesday. And of course the Hawks are the team that they're chasing currently for the 10th seed. So, you know, if they come out and win both games this weekend and beat Atlanta, that's, uh, that'll maybe be cause for some excitement down the stretch. Uh, I know a lot of people are already on team tank and that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you haven't given up on the season yet, kudos to you. If you have given up, uh, if there were a weekend to tune back in and just see what the team is doing. Um, it would be this one, if for no other reason than to uh, to say hi to old friend Kristaps Porzingis, who will be in the garden tonight. So uh, that promises to be fun. Um, anyway, that's enough preamble for me. Um, let's get to my conversation with the one and only Channing Fry. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. I can't tell you how special this is for me because... Um, as a lifelong Nick fan, there are certain players who come through your life that you get to watch that you say, you know, we shouldn't have let him get away. Um, and we're going to talk about perhaps some of the people that we have to blame for letting this one get away. Oh, man. Um, he, nah, listen, man, we got to get into it. Uh, he was only here for two years. It was far too little amount of time. Um, NBA champion. Uh, oh, yeah. um, welcome to the show. Channing Fry. Hello, sir. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. I, I, and before we even get into that. I was a rookie and literally got traded for who I think is a Hall of Famer, one of my favorite players to play against, Zach Randolph, Ooh. super big-time all-star, one of the most hardest, one of the hardest guys to guard. Like, you, nobody talks about him enough. So me getting traded for him was, you know, it didn't work out for the Knicks, but I feel like that's a damn good trade if you look back on it. Young Channing Fry for prime Zach Randolph is kind of crazy. When he was in his when he was in his work zone, his his wheelhouse. I'm yeah. trying. I mean, Dirk's jumper, KD's jumper. After those guys, when he when he put that little fadeaway on, right? He was right up there Dude, after those. So, I mean, you, there's just nobody that plays like him, right? Where he's not the most athletic, crazy, crazy motor. That was the thing. Was like he wasn't buff and big and all this, mm. but he was in crazy shape because you had to box him out every single time just his like 
knack for the game was was amazing. And like me being the opposite of that, right, being seven foot and a shooter, it was always a battle, right? And before the game, we tell the ref, don't call none of them weenie fouls. We're going to be wrestling. Let us wrestle it out, right? Don't be calling none of them weenie fouls. And, and let's get to let's get to bumping, you know. So it's funny you say you were a shooter. Um, it's it's crazy. I was looking back at your your stats. I because I always remember you as the player you turned into and what you eventually became right, known right, for, right. which is you know seven footer shot threes. You didn't hardly take any threes first couple of years of your career. I know perhaps a certain coach may have had a little bit to do with that. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, when did you realize that like, oh, the way the game is going, what I can do that few other people can do. That's really valuable. And did, did you ever have that sense in your mind? Like, man, if I maybe come a, along a few years later, like when did that start to sink in? You know what's crazy? And no one's going to believe me. Isaiah Thomas told me to start doing it my second year. He played me at the four. It was like, you need to shoot these threes. And so, but the problem with that was we didn't have anybody to teach me what I was supposed to be looking at. So the difference was when I went to uh, uh, Portland, I was there with James Jones who had just come from the Phoenix system. So he was teaching me what to look for, what should do, like really coaching me up on that position because it is a niche position, right? Like a seven footer bringing another seven footer out. And then you're, you have to be at least decently proficient on the block or get, uh, you know, your foot in a paint to get a paint shot um, on switches. And then you have to have a dynamic rolling big. And at the time, Eddie Curry didn't have the motor to roll like that all the time. He was a very, what I like to call big aircraft carrier, throw him the rock, you know, pound it and then shoot his little right hand hook. So Isaiah wanted me to be that. I in the league wasn't ready to be, or I wasn't taught how to be that. Okay. But he had that image. And then I worked on that crazy when I was in Portland, but net showed glimpses of it. And then in Phoenix, they were like, yeah, yeah, you do that a thousand times. And they like literally ingrained in me. Look, look how good this looks, you know? And sure enough, I don't even do you, do you know that you are the first seven footer in NBA history to average a block a game and two made three pointers a game. Stop it. I don't know. None of these things. Man. All right, we got I, I, this, is, this is one of two trivias we're going to give you. Do there you know who go. the next guy to do it after you was? I'll give you a hint. He's still in the league. Oh, poor poor Dingus. He was one of the, he, he did it, I believe, <laughs> after the guy I'm, I'm talking about. I, Brooke Lopez did it. Oh, after yeah, you dude. about a decade later. Yeah. Dude, Brooke, God. And he's like, I'm seven foot legit. He got to be seven, two. He's a big and man. A pro- yeah. And a problem with trying to guard him is you have to physically be in front of Giannis to stop him. And it's hard to stop another seven footer going downhill like a violent train and then run out to another seven foot two guy where he catches it above his shoulders. So my thing was, if I can get the ball above my shoulders, I only got to block twice. Once by Anthony Davis and once by Andre Kirilenko. Those only two guys ever blocked my jumper, right? And it was bouncy Anthony Davis. So I was like, you know what? (laughs) It happens. Shit. It it don't happen too often, but, you know, unicorns uh, come by. But also the Kristaps Bordingas is the name of my fantasy league, and I won last year. So that's the only reason why I made it. I made that. I don't know if it's I made great, it up, but I, I may funny. repurpose that at some point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Phoenix eventually truly unlocked you. And then obviously, you know, in Cleveland, um, th- those are some pretty good times as well. Right, right. 
take it back a little bit. So you've talked about your rookie year. We, we don't need to yeah. go over the all of the gory details. I, I'm just more <laughs> more curious, like, you know, coming from Arizona, which is whatever. It's the most yeah, respected, yeah. one so of the most so, respected right, programs right. In, in the country. You, I'm sure you were used to one thing. When did you realize that we're we're not in Kansas anymore? How, how soon camp. did training, training camp? Okay. It wasn't even maybe before training camp, training camp. And I was like, you know, I know guys on a team that called the NBA on him. We were the first two days. We had four hour practices. We were in the gym. We watched film, okay. right? So film, and just to give you an example of a day, was like, you know, and, and I'm a vet. So now I know certain things are were okay. Certain things were very much not okay. We would watch every possession of every game after the game. But like, let's say practice started at 11 or you had to be in film at 11 or 10, whatever it was. Okay. We wouldn't get out of film till 1230. We'd be in film an hour and a half. Then after now, mind you, rookies got to be at the gym. If practice at 10, you got to be there 8, 830. You lift, you do a workout. So the workouts that I was doing were based on what coach had wanted. So now we're talking about the season. What coach had said, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. So I'm working out with coaches. Who I, you know, Herb, Big Herb Williams, who yeah. I love him to death. We love was Herb. great. Um, and, and some of the other guys. And I was doing what they were asking me. And then we watched film and he would tell me everything that I was doing was wrong. <laughs> so like, remember my face up jumper. I, and this is a true story. I remember I was fired up. We were playing Andrew Bogut yes. uh, because he was the number one pick and the 30 you know, point game, right? Yeah. The next practice, he told me, don't shoot any more jumpers. They're playing your jumper now. And so Steph and Jamal and all them were like Channing. He doesn't mean that literally, but he just wants you to put it on the ground a little bit. And he must have overheard. And he goes, no, literally, if you shoot a jumper in this practice, I'm going to take you out. So David Lee hears that. So David's like, you know, David being a dick. So he backs up. So everyone's yelling at me. And I'm like, you know, at Coach O, I trusted him. I trusted Coach O my whole career. And he did right by me, right? He made a promise that, that if I give him 110, he's going to make me the best version of myself. So I just assumed that all coaches were like that. So I'm taking what he's telling me as Larry Brown, as a Hall of Fame coach. I was about to say, pretty good coach reputation in his own right. Yeah, absolutely. It, literally, what do you need me to do for us to be successful? Everything he told me to do, I tried to do it to the best. And it was not only never good enough, it was wrong, even though. So he'd be like, Channing, run down this way at, at film. Channing, that's not right. You literally just told me this. We would run a play. Or guard somebody. Ah, you didn't guard him right, son. What do you, you literally told me to guard him this way. I don't know where Larry Brown, like off the court, Larry was chill. Okay. But I have never hated basketball more than I did that one year. And you could ask Jamal Crawford, who's a hooper. You yep. could ask Nate Robinson. You could ask, I love playing basketball. I love it. I have never hated the game I've never dreaded going to practice practices were three and a half hours, but we would never go up and down. Right. We would never just scrimmage. It would be like, stop. No, we got to fix this. Stop. We got to fix that. We had the most starting lineups in the history of the NBA it was 42. Crazy. I looked it up today. 42. Crazy. 
We didn't know who was starting until 40 minutes of the clock. Now you have all day to prepare. How do you prepare for a game? Some games like Maurice Taylor would start and other games he wouldn't even play. I am the worst situation I've ever been in ever. I'm trying to imagine like just being a rookie and being thrown into that and then being expected to perform uh, your first game. I looked it up again. I didn't remember this until I looked it up. You you didn't play your first game. Oh Uh, God. I remember that. Did we play Boston? Yeah. Overtime. I I, I was funny. I did overtime game and yet still lost by 14. Oh, you were sick that game. Okay. No, 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 no. I was sick. Oh, you were sick. Oh, Okay. Sick in my gut because okay. he's telling me training camp. You know, I had a pretty solid training camp. I had an okay uh, preseason. He's like, son, I really want to play you. We're going to get you out here. He's like gassing me up. Like, hey, we're going to, here's where we're going to play you. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm a lottery pick. It's my first game and you DMP me. And it was like, oh, sorry. You know, I forgot to put you in. You're like, what? Did, did he actually say that? <laughs> yes. I'm not, yes. Yes. Now, if he would have been like, hey, you're a rookie. I want you to kind of get your feet wet. And this might not have been the right situation. Sure. That communication I could deal with as a player. But to gas me. Right. I think they say gaslight me. I, I think and that's then, what they say. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden now I'm not playing. And I'm just like, you, you said you hate this guy. And he playing 40 minutes. You say you don't like this guy or that I'm doing everything right and I'm still not playing. And, th- and that was started. That was quickly where it started. Like the just the communication was awful. So you, you just brought up a couple of notions and how you answered the previous questions. I want to stay with this for a second, because like one communication, right? Cool. Knowing that when a coach says something to you, it's I mean, they mean what they say. Right, right. And this other notion about like kind of and I think you've spoken about this before, specifically with Larry Brown. Like just knowing what the game plan is going into a night, knowing like what you're expected to do and it being a repeatable thing. Like when it comes down to what an NBA player wants from a coach, is that pretty much the two, the two things or is there anything else that I'm I'm missing here? I think you're missing like how they communicate and do you, can you effectively, again, this is all communication styles. Like how does JB Bickerstaff get the best out of those guys? Well, he says, I'm going to create an offense based on you guys, not what I know how to coach, but what is best for you guys. And I know how to coach basketball, but you guys have to make mistakes. Who starts three seven footers in the NBA in today's game? <laughs> Who the fuck does it? Am I allowed to cuss? I guess it's Nick. You can curse as much as yeah, you want. I do it all the time. Yeah, I forgot for us. It is a Nick, yes. But like, who does that? Right. It's not like, you know, Miami has a certain thing. Boston had not Boston, but, um, like Miami has a certain thing because they have a system and Spo has been there for a long time. And then they plug and play players to fit into that system. Right. Same with uh, uh, Budenholzer in Milwaukee sure. as a system. Yeah. And you plug and play those players. Not everybody gets Giannis or Braun or Durant. Staff so in Golden coach, State, you know, that's a system yeah. built around him. Sure. A system is built around Draymond Green, Steph and Clay. And then you built guys say, well, I could fit in here. I could fit in there. So like our system wasn't even a system. We were running new plays almost weekly, daily. We had certain plays. He would change the names of them. He would do this. There was no consistency other than inconsistency. It was wild. And it like, you know, and Sean Elliott, 
Uh, hopefully he doesn't get mad that I'm telling you the story. But like <laughs> Sean Elliott is one of the nicest angels of a human being. U of A guy, class act. He sure. had Larry Brown, I think, in San Antonio for a little bit. I think that's where it was. Briefly before uh, before uh, it was. Oh, my goodness. He coached yeah, at Fordham. I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, Pop, the guy, Pop. the guy who Pop replaced, uh, who's, uh, uh, not some Hill, Hill Bob right? Hill, Bob Hill. I hate yes. that I know that, but I know. I, right, Larry so, Brown was before Bob Hill. Yeah. yeah. So Sean calls me because I had to call Coach O. Like, what am I doing? And he was looking. He was like, "What do you do?" And I, he was like, "Channing, you know, this is the league. You got to find a vet to help you out." So I would talk to Malik Rose, and then Malik was like, "Yo, talk to Sean Elliott. You're U of A guys." And Sean was like, "I fucking hate him." I hate Larry Brown. I hate him. He was like, I want to punch him in his face. He was like, I have never hated basketball more than playing with Larry. He goes, you got to stick it out. Be a pro as best as you can. You know, and and we're talking about Larry, but Larry, you know, in that situation, it's a year situation because then you have Steph. Then yeah. you have Eddie Curry. Then you have Jay. Uh, um, Big Jamal was there. Yep. 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 Then you have Jalen Rose. Then you have Steve Franchise. Then you have. So think about all these things. And we had um, Matt Barnes at the time. Right. If you interview these guys and ask them their experience, nobody's like, oh, you know, I had a good time. I like playing basketball this way. It was awful. And we were like, hey, Larry, maybe we can win if we do everything he says. Nothing was ever right and no there was no sense of loyalty he was trying to trade everybody every single game it was wild and to your credit you i, I looked up before your third week in the nba you started a, a 10 game stretch where you're averaging 20 points five rebounds oh, you're sure. shooting it well you followed that up with not you had a couple of 30 point games you made the all rookie team obviously you, you had a really nice start and then larry goes on his merry way in comes the man who drafted you Right. To coach, and then it, it, things again, like yeah. So what? Had have you ever so, thought about that next season? Yeah, I talked oh. to Isaiah. Me and Isaiah are like cool. I call him all the time or text him. Uh, I have no ill will. Again, he saw what I could be. Just I was not taught that. I was taught with my back to the basket. Sure. Right. And realistically, people don't know this. I only played two years of varsity at high school. Right. And then. I went to college for four years. So that's only six years of elite basketball. Sure. Yeah. And I've been focused on that position. And so I'm trying to navigate. I've had success being a face up big, like your Chris Bosch, like your Zach Randolph, like your Dirks. And now you're like, hey, Channing, we need you to space away from the basket. <laughs> Go by the three because we are going to give the ball to Eddie Curry every single time. I think you can look up a stat. Eddie Curry led the league in turnovers. I, I think yes. that checks out. Andrew will check that out. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm just standing here. I don't know what to do. They're like, Channing, do something. I'm like, I, I don't dribble very well. Right. I, like maybe one or two dribbles. But again, I'm so locked in on that position. It was hard for me at that age to go, well, let me relearn this. Right. And again, nobody was like, Channing, when you're out here, this is what you're supposed to look for. And, you know, I was already hearing rumblings about me getting traded. And then David Lee was like, well, I could play this position. And then there was all this stuff going on, you know, with the team and who's this and who's that and, you know, taking advantage of things. And I was just like, dude, I, 
I didn't know what to do. You can't have me be in an all rookie team to be like, hey, yeah, play this position that you've never done in your life. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're painting a picture is of something that Knicks fans know very well, uh, especially older ones like myself, um, of just general disjointedness of right. one guy going in this direction, one guy going the other direction. Uh, I want to transition to more recent times, which right. is so last year. It seemed all of that. Everybody hit for one year, at least we got to hit the pause button on that. Right. Uh, you've again, you've spoken about what it is to be a dysfunctional franchise or what it was like to be in a dysfunctional franchise. When you watched last year's Knicks from afar, understanding that you never played for Tibbs, like, right, you, totally. you know, you weren't with the, but you know, Tom, like, what did you see from the outside looking in as like, this is a culture change. This is just a coach who has a group of guys that are buying in. Like, how did you view last year? <laughs> the beginning of the end. And that's the honest truth. I thought, hey, hey, please explain. I'm curious. Well, here's why is that okay. when you have a desperate team, right? Who really desperately wants to win, they're willing to do anything. And I felt like Julius Randle is a workhorse, right? Nobody ever questions how hard he works, but any basketball player knows you cannot have success, sustained success playing that style of basketball. And you cannot, in this day and age, have that type of sustained uh, intensity after achieving something that you know damn well you shouldn't have even got that far. Also, you forget, there are no fans. There were no fans in the stands. You think that made a big deal? What? Oh, my God. Stop it. Stop it. If you're if you're out hooping, free stroking, right? And nobody booing you because you're down for nothing, you're like, all right, cool. Now you're down for nothing and you got spike in your ear talking about your trash. That feels different. It is different. Also, if you notice, people get hype when they come to the garden. That's where you make a name for yourself. So when you're the home team, 
you forget what it's like to be the road team and only play y'all maybe once or twice a year. So dudes put on their best outfit, right? They they get the rest. They either going out to, to, you know, Carbones afterwards, right? Going to party with Rihanna or Miley Cyrus or whoever. So when you're at the home team, you forget about how much impact the city and the garden has on road teams. But if you're no fans, you don't feel that. It just feels like another game. And you get used to that. I think this team this year tried to make the right moves. I thought, but they got away from what Tibbs can really coach. That's not a And what is that? Tibbs is a, I think Tibbs is a great elite defensive coach. He is an elite coach when it comes to game plan, preparation, practice. But as you notice, your offense is straight garbage. It is garbage. It's literally the worst offense in the NBA. In terms of aesthetically, certainly it is. It is as ugly as it it comes. You guys, and I wrote this down. Lenny, get off the guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this. So you guys are 27th in points scored. Okay. Now, you guys are trying to win. So that trying means to win basketball worst. games, allegedly. So that yes. means you're the worst. You're 27th in field goal percentage. So that means you take shitty shots. Yep. Shitty, shitty shots. You're last in assists. I, I don't know so how many what? years we've been in the bottom of the no. league in assists. It's been a while. And you're not. Okay, so I people are going to go, well, you know, Portland was last in assists too. They have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who's on a goddamn tear right now in New Orleans. So stop, right? So their offense works that way. Then your best player doesn't shoot the three ball effectively. He is a throwback player and plays at the elbow, which is the in this day and age, the easiest space to guard or to double team somebody. Mm -hmm. And is shoots 42%. So he's having a bad year. So he's a volume shooter, not at a good percentage, shooting bad twos and doesn't shoot threes. And you're 42%. Then your second best guy, which is your future, RJ Barrett, who I think is a stud, shoots the same, almost the same bad shots. But now he's he has not been efficient. No, he's not been efficient because there's to me, when you look at their offense, there's no room for him to make mistakes. It's like drive to the hole, drive to the hole, drive to the hole. Somebody stops you spin, drive to the hole. And you're like, where is the evolution of of your offensive game? And in today's game, are they not developing that? Are they just being pounded? This is the only way between a and B, right? For me, I feel like in a more open offense, you could put guys in a better position to make more decisions, which could have happened earlier. Obviously, not having D Rose hurt. I thought Kemba is a great player. I thought Kemba hurts you defensively. And also, if you look stylistically, Julius is a is a a big time. Got to touch that thing. He got to touch the ball every possession. I would have weaned him off that and showed him film of the Atlanta Hawks series, where How? he becomes disenfranchised when he gets double teams. How hard is it? To, to take a guy who Julius eighth in MVP voting last year, all NBA, he got, he's, I'm, I'm, you, I know you watch as much basketball as I do. He's on the commercials. He's getting yeah. the interviews, 
all the flowers, everything. If it's now not working like it was last year, how do you begin to communicate to that player? Like, look, or, or do you try to begin to communicate to that player? Like, we, we need to make some adjustments here. Or, you know, you know, you know get what they I'm saying? Tried, but they, I think they tried. And I think, here's my thing. Julius Randle did not take the max. He, he did not. He did not take the max on purpose. He knows he can't do it himself. If Julius Randle is your second or third best player, or if you can run, you know, the first part of your offense on one side and then get him the ball going downhill, he's almost impossible to stop. It takes a lot of pressure off him to generate offense through fouls or just bowling his way in there. And then, you know, if you think about it, when he's on the ground, teams get out and run. Who You guys are like 10th in block shots because Mitchell Robinson has to be down there. All You have to play a traditional center yeah. because your forward is always by the rim. Right? If that makes any sense, right? No. It, Julius it, is driving in there and the team gets back. Who's to protect the rim? You got to get your five men to do that. So, and, again, it's just yeah. offensively, if there was more movement, if there wasn't such a reliance on catch the ball, head down, wait, hold, hold. Everyone's moving, hold. Now the defense gets set. Now let me just take a shot because it's five on the clock. It might work better. But again, this is injuries. Uh, the personnel just didn't work out. And, you know, offensively, I just, yeah, it just is poopoo. <laughs> that should be the the uh, on the gravestone of the 2021 22 New York Knicks. It should just say poopoo. Right. Um, I, I I think uh, a, a lot of fans are frustrated uh, over the fact that exactly what you're saying, which right. is that there seems like, well, maybe we should switch things up, you know, in terms of how we go about trying to generate offense. And that hasn't really come. Um, you mentioned Kemba. Is this a team that that you look at and you say like, oh, you know, they're a point guard away, they're a floor general away, they're a this way, or, you know, I I I think I that's what no. I figured you'd say, but I I just wanted no, no, to no. Ask I, the I say like this, and I'm being honest. Yeah, who are you bet? Who do you think the Knicks are better than? And then who can they beat in a series? Oh, yeah. and who is available that you think can fit? I have one name and it's wild and and I'll get to it. And I was thinking about it as I was driving. I knew you really? were going to ask you this. So think about one player that's available that could establish culture, that could do a lot of things for everyone and make their life easier. Just don't look at that person this year. Look at that person last year or his throughout his career. I'm a, are you talking about Dame? No. Oh. Like uh... But can live in New York and the fans will ride with him based on his style of play before this year. Before you, you're throwing me with the before this year. All right, I'll tell you, Russell Westbrook. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Andrew just typed it in. There you go. Russell Westbrook would be absolutely amazing for this team. Number one, not this year, Russell, because you know the shit didn't work out. We see it didn't work. That out. Has not gone well. No confident. Russell lives New York every single day where he comes to work. He has a motor next to no one else in this league. He's fearless. He's tenacious. He leaves it all out on the court when he's in the right situation. You also need shooters around him. So by putting Russell there, it makes Julius take a step back. So when Russell drives to the hoop, 
He creates a double team through that kick off to Julius. Now you get him to drive or you get him easy dump offs. Also, Julius doesn't have to be your emotional leader. Russ is, which right? we've seen Julius not go gets so to great. just yeah. play basketball, yeah. right? Julius is your, your, your Andrew Wiggins, your Harrison Barnes, your, you know, your guy that you could just rely on to get you 15 and 12 and five or six. And he's just going to go play. But in crunch time, give the ball to that guy. He's going to win it for you. And and you so you think Russ has something left in in, oh, in absolutely. as a big time player in this league? Absolutely. I I do think it, this situation, let's let's just be real. This didn't work out. But to slander Russell Westbrook entirety is wild. He can take a team of regular guys and make them uh, a seed. Sure. Yeah. He almost did that last year in Washington, but people forgot he barely played the first 30 games of the season. I think he like tore his quad or something crazy. I don't he, know. And when he did play, he wasn't, he didn't start to become effective until like definitely the second half of last year. Right. For totally. Sure. But he was getting triple doubles every night. And get, look at the Wizards this year compared to last year. Uh, no, he, he was now, legitimately. Bill didn't play, but he was good at the second half of last year. And things are popping in New York. Russ is okay when things are popping. He's not, boo, boo <laughs> you back. Right. Like he, to me, it's, you need somebody who embodies New York fully. Right. Do you dress New York? Do you live New York? Uh, are you uh, are you excited that they're here or are people excited that you're here? People will get excited if Russ is there. Right. I, I think New York fans, I don't if want, they win a little bit. I think. I, listen, we, we saw win more than they're going to win more than they're winning now. Well, the, yeah, they can't win much less than they're winning now. And I, he's going to tell Tibbs, hey, man, chill out. I got this. Chill out. I got this. And he's going to generate offense himself. He won't need a set. They're going to play a natural way that lends itself to his players. I, I don't mind the players you have. Russell Westbrook, Evan Fournier, uh, RJ, or you go RJ, uh, Evan, Julius. And, and uh, pick a center, I pick guess. Pick a center. Just give me yeah. somebody bouncy. Okay. Give me somebody bouncy. Who uh, was a little smart. It was a little smart. I need smart. Smart and bouncy is like. This the league's good combo generation, right? Um, you mentioned RJ. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask a follow up question about him. I think uh, there's a sense amongst Nick fans uh, that RJ doesn't get, you know, the respect he deserves around the league because when he does it, I, and this is my theory, and I'm, mm-hmm. I want to test it out on you, see what you think. It doesn't look <laughs> as flashy or as bad as the other guys, but you look at the numbers. And, you know, he's over the last two months, you know, 23, 24 a game. He's got the assists. He's got the rebounds. Do you see a guy when you see RJ, where do you see him in two, three, four, five years? If Well, number one, he's a Steve Nash guy. So I know he works out. I know he's going to learn the game. I see him as a Chris Middleton type. Okay. Right? I think he will develop later. He's taken his lumps. And, you know, listen, nobody's going to like me saying this. If you're not a playoff team, you're free stroking after the all-star break. Coach is like, you know, just go out and play. There's no pressure on you to win these games. You want to win, but if you don't win, you're still planning your vacation for the summer. You're free stroking. One, two, three, Cancun. These numbers, yeah, one, two, three, Cancun. Okay, 24 left, 15 left. These numbers that guys on bad teams are putting up, please let's take it down. Okay. And if they could do it next year, when it counts. I'll be quiet and I'll say, I'm sorry, but okay. it is never, it's almost never happened. You've never seen a guy 
on a bad team start balling and then the next year go, man, he had a really good end of year. You have all summer. You know how much summer they have? You, <laughs> Jesus, right? So for a lot me, of Cancun, I like, like R.J. Bear a lot. <laughs> I like his tenacity. I like his work ethic. I like he got a lot of passion in there, right? He's emotionally invested in every play. And I respect the shit out of that. So I think he's a great New Yorker. I think, again, if he's your second or third guy, he's going to flourish. But this opportunity, he's getting to be the number one guy-ish, is good for him later on in his career because he's going to be like, well, I can handle this situation. I've been in it. Um, I like R.J. Barrett. I I think uh, you, you speak for a lot of people here. I think everybody likes RJ Barrett. Um, I would take second best player on a title team because it means we won a title. Um, two more and then I'm going to get you out of here. You've yeah, been yeah. incredibly generous with your time. Um, one, I want to get just one general NBA question in here. It's been a kind of an interesting season. It's been a funky season. It seems like anyone could lose to anybody else on any given yeah. night. It, it, you Again, you've been in the league. You were in the league forever. Is there one team or two teams who you're looking at going into the playoffs and you're like, I no matter come what may I like what they have going on. I will ride with them based on one thing or another. Um, Milwaukee bucks. Okay. <laughs> have you, if you watch, and this is what's funny. If you watch Giannis last year, or even at the end, when he had 50, Giannis had was having steam come out of his mouth because he was fucking people up. There was no, <laughs> no, like he was like, listen, little boy, get out my way. or I'm gonna run your ass over. Yes, he was. If you notice this season, he picks and chooses. He's still getting 34, 12, 8, 36, 19, 2. Like, you're like, he's, he's, they've been first in the East, third in the East, first in the East championship. And then you look at like the development of Drew Holiday's been healthy, right? Sure. Uh, Chris Middleton, I forgot who he barbecued a couple of weeks ago. They haven't had Brooke Lopez. The development of their bench is better. And when I say, okay, KD is crazy. Embiid is crazy. Yep. I don't know if Giannis crazy can be stopped by either one of them. I'd love to see it. Okay. Giannis's team system, they're more embedded in that system than they were last year, which is even scarier. They have more shooting. Their defense is a little poopier this year, but... It happens. I just think they're tired and they're just kind of like, fuck it. We're still second or third in the East. So I mean, who cares? Right. I mean, shit, we we're top four, so it doesn't matter. They, they know so, they can win a big game on the road because they, they, they did it last year. So, and they go, uh, Giannis is looking at, okay, who's going to guard me on this team. Okay. That's two fouls in three minutes. You, you're a big man. I'm running by you. Now that's spray open threes. You're too small. I'm posting you up and I'm dunking on you. I just think he looks at the game differently and he knows how to, I don't want to say put his cruise control on 80 instead of a hundred every single night. And we see glimpses of it, but again, and then here's what I'll, I'll rebuttal myself on that. 50% Ben Simmons. Even if he has to come off the bench a little bit to really get his legs underneath him. That's a Listen, we see what guy. They I, don't was, woke I was up. about to say, they on don't 31 shots up. too. Uh, 31 well, shots. They're special. They're yeah. special, right? Yeah. And I love watching them play. I used to love watching Kyrie work out because I'm just like, no way is he ever going to do that in the game. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> Did it in the game. And I'm is like, he the like is he like the most 
Because like Evan Fournier tweeted out at, at dur- I think during the game last night, yeah. like he's the most skilled basketball player of all time. Is that a a, a, a held opinion amongst pros? Yeah, I think we're forgetting about a couple guys. Um, I think Kyrie. And, and I'm going to say this in a weird way, but I was trying to explain to somebody like Kyrie is like an artist. Right. And I don't think we've ever he's changing how the game is looked at. Like, is he right handed or left handed? Right. Is he does he have a scouting report? Right. Like, what do you say? How do you guard Kyrie? If you're yeah. taller, he's going by you. If you're smaller, he's posting you up. He might be the most proficient offensive player we've seen in a very long time. That's now, I'm not going to mention other names, but Kyrie, to me, should be top five most proficient skilled offensive player ever. I, I and like also, that word. and we look at what happened when he want to play defense. He's going <laughs> to shut the water off now. He's going to shut the water off. And everyone was like, well, what's he going to do against this or that? And Kyrie was like, well, y'all must have forgot because I'm only playing at the games. But I'm, that means I'm twice as rested, which is another problem. So KD's going, Kyrie's going, and you give me 50% Ben Simmons, that's a matchup. I'm popcorn. Uh, but I got to roll with Giannis because they won last year. And that's the last time I bet against him. My man at 50. So, uh, and who knows? We might get them in a first round matchup this year. That'd be something. Um, last thing before yeah, I, yeah. before I get you out of here. Um, you are the host of a podcast road tripping with RJ yeah, and Channing. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, hosted by Ali Clifton. Ah, oh, there you go. Uh-huh. Um, one, uh, just generally, how do you like having a pod? And, uh, I should say part of the blue wire podcast yeah, network. Yeah. Um, how do you like having a pod into uh, one dream podcast guest? If you could pick, man, we've been doing this for a long time. I think we've been doing it for almost seven years now, five, five to seven years. And so, or six to seven. So it's just good meeting guys. Like, you know, Tim Duncan was my idol playing and to be able to like actually sit down and talk with him was crazy to me. Um, I met some amazing people in this industry whose stories have been told by other people, but I like the fact that they get to tell their stories. Um, And then one guest, uh, I would want to get a a round table. I would want- You could do a round table, that's fine. Clay, Steph, and Draymond in a room with Kyrie, Braun, and Richard or Kevin, and just revisit what was happening on each side. Wow. Right. Because us, we had to learn to hate. Like Steph is a great dude. Draymond is an awesome guy. And Andre Goddard is my teammate. So fuck him. But he's a great guy also. <laughs> right. I love that guy to death. Right. But you have to learn how to hate each other to a next level to not give each other an inch. And so I would love to know what their locker room was like, how they felt compared to how we felt. And I think that people would learn we were just on both ends of the spectrum and just met in the middle. And then Kyrie went and Brown went crazy, right? Like 41 point triple doubles in the NBA finals is quite stupid. I, it, I can't imagine you, you, uh, there's probably not many days go by where you don't wake up and you're like, man, I was a part of that thing. That oh man. So I had the best seats in the house. <laughs> Listen, I, and here's a, and I'll let you guys go. I know you're t- tired of these no, stories. Please, but, please. This is great. So like I went out there a little bit, and I was like looking around. I was like, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, All-Star, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, All-Star, All-Star. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing out here? That's it. Yo, no, this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. Like, 
Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, that's where my talent maxed out. They were moving so fast on that court that I was just like, I looked at coach like, if you need me, I'm here, but I can't. That they're, they had like, they started a lineup. It was like Sean Livingston, Andre Guadalla, Clay Thompson, Draymond, and Steph. Who am I guarding? They're all guards. They're all six, seven, except for Steph. <laughs> Who am I guarding? I'm used to guarding centers. Anytime they put Bergeau in the game, say, hey, I would look at coach like, coach, I'm ready. Here we go. I got a center. I go in, Steve Kerr, er, take him right out. So then, so, so then T. Lou's like, damn, I'm sorry. I was like, well, all right, let me take me back. Take me back. And Steve <laughs> wouldn't play his centers, right? He wouldn't play Bergeau. And then Bogan got hurt, yeah. right? But when you have Harrison Barnes and Sean Livingston and Andre and Draymond, like, what are you? You're crazy. It's, they were just, it was wild to see that many ball handlers on a court running and moving and hitting and screening like, Watching that was like beautiful. It was a beautiful game. And then to watch Kyrie just go, yeah, none of you guys can guard me, but I'm just going to pick on this one so that he has to play defense. It was just wild. It, it was crazy, especially coming off the San Antonio, Miami games, which I, for me, that was the most beautiful basketball, I, my opinion, right. that oh, I had yeah. ever seen up to that point. And then to get that series was just nuts. Yeah. And Draymond was balling the last game. And then people were like, well, Braun only got 41 because Draymond was hurt. <laughs> and he goes and puts another one on him, right? And then it was like, you never see Steph upset. Steph threw his mouthpiece. And then for us, we didn't have any injuries, but Kevin got concussed where we had to start Richard, which yeah. really helped us out because then we would switch one through five. And then we had five guys who could play on the on like full court, like, you know, face-to-face defense. And then we just started wrestling with him. It was Man, I, I get hyped talking about it, but that was just I tell. <laughs> amazing. Well, it's just an amazing series for them. Like, they were so freaking good, man. It was like, you make a mistake. Ah, shit, we're down 19. Okay, okay, that's it for today. Like, it, was, <laughs> it would happen that quick. And then when KD came, it was like, we were looking at the scout like, what are we doing? What, what's the game plan versus this? Oh, we're going to get MJ and Scotty to come back and play with us? All right. <laughs> now we have a chance. Right? It was like, oh, let's go double team Steph and play KD one-on-one. Oh, forgot about the guy who scored 30 and a quarter. Yeah, forget about him. I, I wish, I mean, I'm glad KD got his rings, but, you know, it would have been fun to see a, a team that was a fair team. Yeah, I mean, it happens. You know. It's good. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, you love it. And if not, you're like, yeah, fuck y'all. But if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm like, KD, come on back. Come on back. Let's win these things. Oh, man. Uh, Channing, seriously, uh, this is incredibly, yeah, this incredibly is great, awesome of you. you yeah, you're yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I traditionally ask people where, where they could, um, where fans can find you and your, your stuff. But I think we oh, just yeah. said the pod and uh, you're like uh, Channing Fry. I mean, yeah, I'm Channing Fry. I'm Channing Fry. <laughs> That's it. Everywhere. Channing Fry. The only guy with Channing Fry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you, you never uh, long live the 2005, 2006. Oh, That's boy. All awesome. <laughs> so many stories. I can't yeah. wait to get Jamal Crawford on here and he'll tell you some of these stories. He'll, he'll be the next one I get on. Yeah, uh, this please. is great. Th- thanks so much, man. Thank Seriously. you, man. I appreciate you guys. All right. That was fun. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, and as much as Channing seemed to, he's a really great guy. The fact that he he was really having some fun with this, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, don't forget, if you dig the show, uh, drop a rating, five-star rating. Those, those five stars help us out. Leave a review. 
And uh, shameless plug also for our YouTube channel, which is creeping up ever so slowly. I think we're getting close to 9,000 subscribers to the YouTube channel. That's that's pretty good, right? Um, love to maybe hit 10K by the end of this year. That would be something cool. Shout out to uh, producer extraordinaire, Andrew Claudio. He has built that YouTube channel up from scratch. Um, so uh, yeah, go uh, go check that out. Subscribe to it. And uh, most of all, thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you with more fun and games very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.